Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his, on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take whatever is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please see and let our children come forward. When I sat down to plan the summer sermon titles, I envisioned Pentecost and Holy Trinity Sunday being like a two-part sermon. Last week I wanted to focus on how the Holy Spirit, the Paracolette, as John calls it, comes alongside each of us, guides you, leads you, sanctifies you. I thought it was fitting reminder as seven of our young adults made a profession of their faith that we be reminded that the Holy Spirit does this for each of us. That these young people are not our future, that Christ Jesus is our future, and the Holy Spirit is the one who is doing the leading. And that we should stop turning to people like Rebecca, Jordan, Danica, Justin, Christian, Matthew, Dylan, even myself, stop looking at individuals, humans, to save the church. Stop electing human saviors and trust the one who is actually named our Savior, Jesus Christ. So my way of thinking last week, I wanted to focus on where God was leading us individually. And this week, I want to focus on where God is leading us collectively as a church. What part does the church play in God's new reality? How can we come together as a community of many and speak as with one loud, booming voice? And what will we say? So hopefully I'll accomplish this by the end of the sermon. I leave that determination in your very capable hands this day. I'm reminded of a quote from Bishop Calistos, I'm sure I'm going to pronounce his first name wrong, Calistos Ware. He's a bishop in the Eastern Orthodox Church. He once said, It is not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every question, but to make us progressively aware of the mystery, of a mystery. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. Something that I admire greatly about the Eastern liturgy is the wonder that it creates. Their liturgy is absolutely foreign to what we do in the Western church. I've been a couple times to churches that uses the Eastern Rite, and I absolutely have no idea what is happening most of the time. But yet, it's one of those things I can't seem to turn away. It keeps drawing the person in. It makes the person want to know more, the individual want to know more. I want to know what all, it all means, what is all happening. But more importantly, I want to know what's happening in those places hidden to the congregation's eyes. See, Eastern Orthodox, Eastern churches usually often have an iconostas, a, a giant wall in front of the altar. 
And in this wall, there are three doors. One in the middle is usually the biggest door, and that is opened, you can see the altar. And on either side of those middle doors, one door is for the priest, the other door is for the deacon. The doors in the middle stay closed till worship begins. The iconostas, it blocks off part of the altar. You can't see all that is happening. The priest sometimes moves in the view, but then immediately moves back out of view. And it's hard to understand what's going on. Often we, you catch a glimpse, but you can't hear all the time either what is being said. Then all of a sudden, it's all over. And the priest is standing before you with bread and wine, beckoning the congregation to come forward and receive the blessed sacrament. As Bishop Ware said, it is not our job to answer questions, but it is our job to show forth the mystery of God. The Eastern Rite, in, in some ways, does a great job, a much better job, than sometimes the Western Rite does. Things don't always have to make sense. What is important is that in the midst of things we cannot understand, the presence of our Lord comes into our midst and we are invited to come forward and become more like the thing that we eat, the body of Christ in the world. We should not be afraid to leave people with unanswered questions about God. In the Western right, we often feel the need to explain everything that is happening. And since I'm the author of the bulletin that has all those nice little explanations in there, I, I'm a creature, I am someone who likes doing that. I like to explain why we do the things that we're doing. It is helpful to a point. But eventually, it's sometimes just best to let the actions and words speak for themselves. Holy Trinity Sunday teaches us that a healthy dose of wonder and awe is good for us all to have. Because if we think we understand everything there is to know about, there is about God, then why should any of us really continue coming to church? Why should any of us bother with being Christians? Why should any of us bother reading our Bible? Why should any of us bother sending our kids to camp? or working for months to plan one week of VBS, or going through all the hoops to be confirmed, or do anything that might deepen our faith. Why bother going through any of it if we already understand everything there is to know about God? Wonder and awe of God led the psalmist to write, When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals, that you care for them? Get into the psalmist's head right now. Imagine you're the psalmist and you go out into, the, into a field in the middle of the night. You go out into a field where there is no light pollution whatsoever. Where most of the world is still unknown and unexplored. And you look up into the heavens. You see so many stars, see so many things that we cannot see today because of all the lights that surround our, our community. Imagine being that psalmist, looking into the heavens without the knowledge that we have of the universe. Imagine how small you feel now. Imagine how small the psalmist felt. But yet, God cares about you and me. God cares about humanity. God that God makes us into God's own image and in the worlds of the psalmist made us a little lower than God and crowned us with glory and honor. If the psalmist knew God fully, he would not have wrote Psalm 8. If humanity knew God fully, we would, not have, no, we would have no need of Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Humanity needs Jesus. 
And it's for this very reason that the mystery of God exists. God remains a mystery, but God chose to reveal to the world part of God's self through sending us Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, and the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside us. But even having Jesus and the Holy Spirit does not mean we fully understand God. As Jesus says in verse 12 of the Gospel lesson, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus did not tell the disciples all the mysteries of God because he knew none of us could comprehend or maybe even bear to know God as Jesus knows God. Our minds simply could not handle it. Maybe there are things about God that we would rather not know or understand. You know, a great example of, of this surrounds around the, theod- the question of theodicy. Why do bad things happen to good people? And we saw this play out this week with John Stewart as he gave an impassioned speech on Capitol Hill about the 9-11 fund. In doing so, he reminded us of a day 18 years ago when 3,000 individuals lost their lives. Why did God not stop those planes from hitting those buildings or from crashing into that field? Many have asked that question over these past 18 years with no clear answer ever given. But what is for sure is that the Holy Spirit has remained with us throughout these years and helped us see that God was not absent on that faithful day but was present in the pain and suffering of all those who felt, who lost, who felt loss and continue to feel the effects of that faithful day. God remains a mystery. But we are not completely stumped on the person of God. For 2,000 years, theologians, pastors, lay people have explored the Godhead three in one and have noticed some, some characteristics. St. Paul notes some of them in his letter to the Romans when he says that because we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace of God. Peace with God is a characteristic of God. That phrase, though, peace of God, is not a phrase that's used elsewhere in scriptures. Peace in Paul's day was a relative term. It often played alongside with Roman peace, Pax Romana. And that sort of peace meant you would receive peace if you kept your mouth shut and let Rome do whatever Rome wanted to do. Paul identifies peace coming from God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And this peace does not mean everything will always go our way as Christians. In fact, God's peace is not devoid of suffering. Paul says suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Peace from God does not mean suffering is no more, but it does lead us to hope. Hope that God can take down the evil one. Hope that God can bring even the dead back to life. Hope that God cares about a sinner as bad as myself. Is in this hope that we rest assured that God will save us. God's very nature cannot be understood outside of care for humanity, the care for you and me. God, so infinitely powerful, whose mysteries cannot ever be fully understood, loves you, loves me, loves us, loves this world, and offers us real peace. Other gods in Paul's days were not known for their peace. The Greco-Roman gods were often avoided by others. Infinitely powerful beings have a lot of time on their hands. And the people believed that these gods would come and mess with humanity when they got bored. Logic of the day said that the gods should not be sought out. But Paul rewrites that logic. Rewrites the logic of the day and says our God, the real God, should be sought out. Because our God gives us peace. 
and the infinitely powerful being is on our side. And we are called to continue to explore God's nature and seek out God's love and peace. And when we take on this work of exploring who God is, we can stand with confidence knowing that the Holy Spirit will come alongside us, will come alongside the church and lead us down the right path. It should be our fervent prayer that we pray to God to continue to lead us, to continue to speak to us through the Spirit and give us the peace that can only come from our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.